We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the beautiful USA and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu fresh, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy, and their hamburger even won the Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. Everybody wants to get in on this. These guys take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics or hormones. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com, that's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com, and use promo code DNVR10 for 10 percent off your order plus any orders over two hundred dollars get you free shipping again use code dnvr10 check them out today and we promise you will not be disappointed Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up to get an amazing odds boost. I'm your host, Rudo, joined by AJ Hayfley on the Avs off day after a uh, stressful night the other night. The Avs get today off as far as playing games is concerned anyway, so we figured it would be a good time to take a look around the league as... My neighbors are doing something. I'm not sure if y'all could hear that, but it's very descriptive. Like, I, I, don't, this, I don't. Does this mean that at all other times your neighbors are doing nothing? Well, it sounded like they were like taking a, a chainsaw to the walls. So I'm a little concerned at the moment. So if the Kool Aid Man comes busting yeah, through that green exactly, screen, exactly, you'll know. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about at that point, but I Rex best not just be laying there if that shit happens. <laughs> Rex will be halfway to the other room. He'll know it's coming before I do. So, um, anyway, we figured it was a good time to take a look at some of the other series. The place we want to start, we got this question a ton on the show the other night because it happened right before the Avs game. Uh, Winnipeg, right Montreal, yeah. Uh, the reason y'all missed puck drop for the Avs game last night is because Mark Shifley decided to try and, and attack somebody. <laughs> I, no, that's not a, that's not a fair way to put it. Mark Shifley 
decided to lay down certainly what I consider to be a dirty hit. But AJ, what is your opinion on it? Yeah, he said happy birthday to the ground. <laughs> that was unnecessary. Definitely um, a good way to put it. And the fact that like Evans didn't move. Yeah, that was scary for sure. And they bring they bring out the stretcher, and I just Jesus, dude. <laughs> I I just was I was it happened during the anthems. Yeah, so we were like, because like, so you were in the arena. That's right. So yeah, so Michaela and I are watching on the TV, and we're just like, "What just happened?" Um. Yeah, I mean, he just totally ignores the puck. Doesn't make any attempt whatsoever to make a play on it. He's not trying to stop the empty net goal. He's just mad. I mean, yeah, look, they're about to lose and he's mad. Goal had clearly already happened by the time he fully commits to the hit. It's I look, if you thought Ryan Graves hit the other night was late, this one was certainly late. Dude. <laughs> um and then yeah, like I still don't know how much how bad the hit truly is as opposed to just the fact that Evans ends up smashing his head against the ice. But nonetheless, it's a hit that was just it never needed to happen. It was just I mean, it's predatory. He's trying to hurt him. Yep. You can't you can't make an argument that there's a legitimate hockey play being made when he could have tried to make a play on the puck and didn't. Yeah, agreed. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, Pete DeBoer definitely would have said that was clean, <laughs> as Paul Maurice did today. What is um, happening? <laughs> yeah, Paul Maurice came out, and it's like all of a sudden these guys have have just decided that like they are going to the mat for their guys. They are they are gonna debase themselves publicly. I mean, apparently, if you don't go to the mat for your guy, he gets eight games, so. Yeah, no, shit. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm frustrated. Um, just the whole process just doesn't feel good. The fact that they're going to have a phone hearing today uh, tells yeah. you that it's going to be, I, I told him, I told Michaela, I think it's going to be four games, and it's going to be. And I and and I thought it was the entire reason is because anything over than over that opens up the door for independent arbitration, which they're now having to go through with Kadri, and they just don't want to deal with it. So they're gonna give him they're gonna give him four games and that'll be that. I said three, I think. Which hey, if it's four then you're hoping that Montreal sweeps yeah, the series is over. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah. An, an interesting point by Kevin here. All these short suspensions will just help Kadri's case. No. No. Um, I don't think so. No, because they're going to... They'll point to Kadri's history. Yep. Which Shifley certainly doesn't have. Yeah. He doesn't... And, like, Mark Shifley's not a dirty player. It was a stupid and dangerous thing to do, but 
that's not i mean that's i mean not that it matters in this case right like i wish yeah i I mean i don't know you can't look at that hit and be okay with it but yeah we'll see well we'll... yes i know ally it's the uh I'm angry about yeah. it. I, well, his history is half as long as Cadre's. So for people who I'm writing in our little private chat, all these people getting small suspensions compared to Cadre, but Reeves also had history. It's just frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's why the eight games was immediately yeah. recognizable as total bullshit. Yep. Because they were like, okay, we've now set the standard super duper high. In a media, and everybody knew what was coming. Everybody knew that in every subsequent suspension, they were all going to be held up to that eight games, and they weren't even going to come close. Yep, and that's exactly and, how it's and they happen. It's yeah. If if Kadri would have gotten four, five, like eight, eight, and then seeing all these other suspensions happen is just frustrating. Kadri well, one's half over now, and could be more than half over if this arbitrator makes a decision, but. Yeah, so he will he will also miss game three on Friday. Yeah. So he will at least miss five of those eight games. And if they can get it down to six, I think that would be a huge victory for the Abs because we saw last night how much they missed Nazem Kadri. Yeah, that second line disappeared last night. Like look, but- like Tyson Tyson Jost's line was they scored two goals and they were the only one that had any kind of I guess if you call that the second line. Any kind of jump, yeah. but they got devoured at 5v5. And JT Comfer, we've known this about JT Comfer his entire career. He is not a play driving center. Yep. Pretty straightforward forward there, I think. Excuse me. Um I the thing is like I hate speculating on all these suspensions because yeah. after the Reeves one especially, like they literally might as well call up Shifley and tell him to spin the wheel because I have no idea. Two games two games I'm Two games for the Reeves thing was it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Agreed. You can't give Alex Newhook a promotion after he just played like dog shit yeah, last night. Uh, he was both him and Ranta were not good. <laughs> Ranta hasn't been good in two games. I agreed, but you know, what I'm you say? and and to be honest, I think I think this back thing for Soderbergh has to be a bigger problem than they're letting on because I'm just really, really struggling to believe that Jared Bedner. Super randomly is just like, all right, a couple of 20-year-olds with absolutely no experience just getting thrown into the fire fresh out of college. Go! I, I, honestly, I'm surprised he hasn't played Sherwood. But This is what I'm saying. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm surprised that's, that these guys are still – I would be very surprised if the lineup stayed the same for game three. The fourth line, the fourth line has been bad in both games. Um, Belmar has to be better, but yeah, he's not gotten any help. Those two, the two kids have been bad. I don't think he's gonna get much help either. So, um, yeah, it look that is what it is. Yeah, to circle back to 
our original point here, which is the Montreal Winnipeg series mm. beyond the dirty hit that everyone has seen. Montreal takes game one. Um, it's, I think we've talked about that series quite a lot from an abs perspective. They don't really care who wins that series. Yeah, definitely. Um, they're, they're kind of shades of the same team, right? Montreal and Winnipeg. The, yeah, they get bread made a little bit differently. Montreal is a little bit better defensively, but they're both going to rely pretty heavily on their goaltenders playing above water. So for the sake of AJ's relationship, Montreal winning would be good. <laughs> um, at, a, at a medium, as soon as I saw him um, last night when I got off the elevator in the press box, I had a media member tell me that they were rooting hard for Winnipeg just because they wanted to, they wanted to see they wanted me to go through abs, Jeff. Go through the chaos, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're they're interesting though because it all really comes down to their goaltender. Montreal's yeah. got a better defense. Uh, Winnipeg has a better forward core, especially up top. Yep. Although without Mark Shifley, it's not as better. It's going to take a big hit. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Wow. It's an inter- That's going to be an interesting series because neither one of those teams are any good. Can someone, if the Avs play Montreal, can someone convince them to have the Avs wear their reverse retros for the away games? Yes, please. Because the the Quebec logo in Montreal, ooh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, we can talk about these other series briefly here let's let's talk about boston new york just really quick here because i don't think we have a ton to say about this series yet it's one to one um it's kind uh, of gotten lost in the shuffle yeah because you have obviously that going on with montreal and winnipeg the Avs series game two was a great hockey game even if the Avs looked bad on the whole very fun game to watch and then boston new york is just kind of doing their own thing over there so yeah was that a Comets logo. Wow. Fort Wayne, baby. Yep. ECHL vibing out here. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh Boston, New York. They're tied 1-1. The series has been a thing that has happened, and that's about my feelings on it. <laughs> um I guess I guess. New York's win did come in OT, so maybe Boston, you can say, has gotten the better of the series. But yeah, well, in Boston, he raced a three-one deficit in the third period. Yeah, um, didn't quite get over the hump, but yeah, it was. So far, it's been an okay series. Uh, it's really been, uh, like the Islanders aren't going to win a lot of puck possession because of the way that they want to play. Sure. But, you know, this is just kind of what they do. Um, Boston, I don't know, Boston just doesn't really scare me very much. I, they've got a lot of talent. You know, some of their guys. They're outside of, like, mm-hmm. pasta. It's, 
their team just can't skate like it used to. Well, like like Taylor Hall and David Krejci have been a great fit together. Sure, sure. Jake, Jake DeBrusque is a little bit better. Um, look, name recognition they have in spades. There's yeah, no like doubt about that. Like, it's kind of what I'm like. There's still a lot of good players there, but like you look at their defense and it's not what it used to be. Yep. Um, and Tuka Rask is like still like just kind of rolling along as solid, but not dominant anymore. So um, I don't, I, yeah. I don't, I, I look at both of these teams and I think, man, Tampa Bay is going to smoke whoever comes out of this series. <laughs> uh, yeah. Without getting too far ahead of ourselves, because the second round is nowhere near over yet. Yeah, there's a lot of hockey left to be played, except in the Tampa Bay series, which I'm writing off. Wow, really? Look, 2-0 on the road. They're coming back home with a 2-0 lead. I know, I know. All they have to do is, you know how it is, all they have to do is split at home. You know Carolina's coming hard tonight, though. Well, and, and, like, you can make the argument that Carolina has outplayed Tampa Bay in both of those games. Game two, I think there's a good argument for it. I don't know about game one. So, um, I just think it's the same, like, Carolina, I think Carolina and Vegas have the same problem. Uh, they play. They play a certain style of hockey that's good and effective, and that's all good. That's all good and well, but they don't have the natural finishing talent that yeah. their opponent does. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, a super chat here from Pete asks, "How do Vegas and the Islanders play styles compare?" Islanders are much more defensive and passive. Yeah. Uh, you saw Vegas dominate the puck in periods two and three last night. You will basically never see the Islanders do that. Yeah, they don't. They don't talk. Or they don't. They don't really. Their puck possession's not incredible. Like they get in on you and they cycle and they do a lot of that, but they don't generate a ton. Um, they really rely on uh, special teams. I mean, they're. Look, the NHL, the NHL is a three-goal league, right? It's a race yep. to three. You're trying to find three every night. The Islanders are trying to find two. Yeah. So that's a good um, way to put it. That's that's what they're the Islanders are, are trying to find two. And if they have to go, they have to go more than that, uh, they really struggle. Um they you know, they a lot of the Islanders would be like an, an a matchup problem for the Avalanche. Because they just want to play a completely different kind of game. Um, but that's that's also why they would be a matchup problem for Tampa Bay. But yep. we saw what happened in that series last year. Wasn't that much of a wasn't problem. Wasn't a problem. <laughs> um, uh, you, can, you can beat it with skill. The, the problem with the Islanders is that their, their skill is just lacking. Uh, and this is this is where Tampa Bay and Colorado separate themselves from really the the rest of the other six teams is that their skill level is just a little bit higher. Yep, There's the They're skill getting, and pace is the most with those two teams. Yeah, they each have they each have great goaltenders. They have great defenses. 
uh, that are deep. It's not like here's the top pairing trying to get by and do all the heavy lifting. Both of them have great defenses that are deep and both have high end finishing talent at the very tip top. Tampa Bay is the only team in the NHL that Colorado doesn't have an on an obvious on paper advantage over. Yep. And the other, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I Again, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but yeah, there, there might be a crash course that both of those teams are on towards each other. We'll, well see. And, and those two teams, those two teams are fighting through. Those two teams are fighting through the problem of really, really good, hard possession, heavy forechecking monster teams in Carolina and Vegas. Yeah, yeah, I, they are. They are teams that Vegas and Carolina are built very, very similarly in that they are very, very good at what they do, playing the style that they play, and they've got great defenses that understand how to chip in, and they have to – both of those teams have to get offensive production out of their defense. They have to. Otherwise, they don't got it. I mean, they just – they each have to figure out how to slow down their opponents because the Avs Avs are going to – I mean, the Avs can outskate just about anybody. I see your question, Marie. We pretty much already answered that by saying Tampa. So I don't know why yeah. you keep asking it. Yeah, but. the only one. Yeah, the Tampa Bay is the only team that would be able to match Colorado's speed. Feel like, like their raw skating ability. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, super chat from Henry. I hear national broadcasting inflating Vegas' defense when the Avs were lazy passing to open ice. The Avs played horribly and made Vegas look good. Yeah, I mean. It's a chicken and the egg. Yeah, there's always two teams on the ice, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Evs, the Evs made the the Evs made Vegas look good. Vegas made Colorado look bad. It just kind of it just kind of depends on which side of the coin you're sitting on. If you're from Colorado's perspective, you're like, yeah, it's played like shit. They won't do that again. And if you're from Vegas's perspective, you're like, oh, Vegas dominated those fools. They got this. They're gonna climb right back into this series. No problem. They just ran those guys over in their own building. So it just depends on which side of the aisle you're sitting on here because that's that's how it goes, right? Like you you view it through the lens in which you want. Whatever whatever glasses you're wearing for sure. There you go. Be sure to like and subscribe to the video. All right. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. That helps us out a ton. Really appreciate it. Over here on YouTube. Uh, there you go. You can hit the notification bell as well if you want to notified every time we go live. Usually YouTube's a little sketchy with those notifications sometimes. But um, yeah, uh, I can talk a little bit more about that. But we do need to take our first period break here as we are brought to all of y'all wonderful people by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Right now, if you sign up for a new account with code DNVR, you get their famous $1 to $100 odds boost. All you have to do is bet on any basketball game going on right now. Pick the winner. If you are correct, you will turn $1 into $100. So bet on the Nuggets to close out the series tonight. Why not get that done? Two birds with one stone. Pick up $100 in free bets and watch the Nuggets win. 
everybody wins when something like that goes down. Head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook. If basketball's not for you, they have odds boosts on all of the other major sports as well. So you can get your enjoyment and fun from betting on some sports. They're super safe, secure, and reliable as well. And even their regular bets without odds boosts have great odds. So check them out today. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that DNVR code when you sign up to let them know we sent you and get that $1 to $100 in free credits bet on any basketball team to win their next game. Limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And we're also brought to you by Gabby Insurance. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash D-N-V-R. It stands for get a better insurance. Everyone here has saved hundreds of dollars with Gabby. It's maybe the easiest money you'll save. Like in years all you have to do is go over there put in what your insurance is it's completely free and they will tell you how you can save money with your home and auto insurance just that easy have people who saved well over a thousand dollars a year using this so jump in on it get yourself just free money basically i i don't know i always struggle with hyping up Gabby because i feel like i should just tell you that it's free money and you should go do it immediately what why aren't you doing it because it's free money <laughs> So check them out, get yourself some saved money and use that money to maybe sign up for an annual DNVR membership. You get a free shirt with it. You get a free mask with it. You get beers down at the DNVR bar in the big size. You get access to all of our awesome content, supports us, all that good stuff. Even many more things than that too. Things like the DNVR lounge you get access to. Look, we love all y'all. Show us a little love back. I see all y'all giving us the super chats. It's very appreciated as well. Another way to support us is the DNVR membership. So take a look at it. Sign up. See AJ's and Evan's awesome stuff and all of the content from our other beats as well. All right. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Have another super chat here from Rick. As a New England native, I would love nothing more than a Bruins Av series. Kind of upset Toronto ruined that potential round three matchup. Uh, I wouldn't be worried about the Bruins if I was the Avs. Yeah. I, they've had the Bruins number for a long, long time, honestly. So that one goes back a bit. Uh, yeah, I think uh, three losses in Boston. Since the abs moved, yeah, it's something like 14 2 and 1 or something crazy, yeah. too. Yeah, it's pretty comical. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, anyway, at the, I did want to touch on, on Vegas a little bit more as, as you were talking about ways to see the series through, through different lenses. There, um, you, you, you do feel okay about the way the game win is Vegas, but also I do wonder what can be adjusted, right? If you're looking at this game from Vegas' side, is the, is the only improvement you really have to finish? Yeah. It's okay. kind of the same problem that they've had consistently the last two years where, yep. oh, great, you dominated a game in shots, but you couldn't score? Wow, what a shock. <laughs> been there before yeah I mean you know Thatcher Demko Anton Kudobin yeah Cam Talbot 
not exactly the who's who of the best goalies in the league there. Right, and these guys all look like all-stars. And then you have Phil Grubauer, who's having the best season of his career, who's playing the best hockey he's ever played. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, so far, so good on, on that front for the Avs. He's yeah. given up three goals in two games, so... Yeah, he's been he's been awesome. So I'm um I feel great about Grubauer. I feel great about the uh, I I don't really I don't really worry too much like last night last night was it it was complicated, right? Because you can look at it through the lens of they Vegas gave it their best uh, gave it their absolute best and still came up short. Colorado probably won't play that poorly again. Yeah. I mean, sure, but there will, I mean, Vegas has now shown that they're capable of this. They've done this a couple of times this year to the Avs. They're the only team to do it to the Avs this year. Um, There's also context there too, right? Like Avs never trailed in this game. They got off to the the lead initially and took a took a lead at the end of the first period. So Vegas did have to yeah. play this game from behind for a decent stretch. Yeah, the second half of it was tied. Yep. Um, the Avs also didn't take too many penalties. Penalties, including the overtime one. Avs had six power play opportunities. Vegas had three. Yeah, you um, consider four of those came in the first period. Yeah. You know. Um, it was not. It was. It was. It was not quite as lopsided as that last number looked. It was the first period. They were pretty whistle happy, but from the halfway point of the game, penalties yeah. ended up being two apiece for each team. But yeah. Um, nonetless, and I, to be honest, I just wasn't here for it. I, you know, uh, I know Ken over at Sinbin was like. The overtime call is bullshit, and for me, I'm like, you're in the offensive zone, and you hack that guy's stick out of his hands. What are they supposed to do? Let that go? Like, imagine, imagine that situation is reversed, where they lose an ozone faceoff, and Mark Stone gets a stick hacked out of his hands, and then Colorado, the way. Yeah. Oh, Colorado, Colorado scores right there. Yeah, and Mark Stone doesn't have a stick. Of course, they're gonna want that call. I'm looking at it and I'm like, look, you're you're salty because that call f- lost you the game. But you should be salty about the fact that you had a power play with three minutes to go and didn't do shit with it. And like you have the top PK in the NHL. You have to you know, like you have to execute just in the same way that Colorado had to score on that power play, you have to keep them from scoring. And the thing is on the whole, I think that call was relatively consistent with the way the refs were calling this game. Yeah, they, they called they called the same slash on McKinnon in the first period. Exactly, it was the same thing. So, um, yeah, they missed the Landy cross check to the face. That is fair, but uh, yeah, they did. And like Ken mentioned that last night, and that's all good and well. But it's like the the most annoying part for me of a playoff series is like the scoreboard that fans keep through a series of like calls that they think are good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, look, I'm, I'm here for the missed cross check on Landy in the face. That's a, that's an impact call. That's an obvious call. That's a blatant one. The rest of this, like 
Um, like Burkowski getting tripped. I thought that that one was, it was iffy. Um, I would have yeah. wanted, to, I would have wanted to see replays like of it because I, sure. I only saw it live, and I didn't think it was a trip live. I thought it was just one of those things that happened, and he lost an edge. Um, but at the at the same time, though, like, what about the leadership aspect of this? Because this is what I was curious about last night. Between you've got you've got two coaches with two very different approaches here. Yeah. Jared Bednar loses Nazem Kadri and says, you know, it was a dangerous hit. It was high. I saw yeah. from an angle and it's suspendable. I saw from another angle. I don't think it's that bad. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I mean, you do have to call it. Ken, yeah. you have I, to call that. It. We've had this conversation okay. before, but a no call there impacts the game just as much as a call does, right? Right. If like, they, if they, so if Rantanen doesn't have a stick there, and whichever defenseman has the puck up high scores right there, and Rantanen's standing there without a stick, you're in the same position. It's just a different side. So for me, I think you have to make the call. The guy committed an infraction, and that's just that. Um. Yeah, but as as we alluded to earlier in the show and, and you were talking about there, this is two coaches now that have defended their players at any cost. Yeah, well, yeah. And then we're going to count Paul Maurice and say 3. Sure, go for three um, there. But I do I do wonder about like what is it what is it the 5 minutes after the game ended? First of all, why why are we interviewing somebody immediately after a high pressure, high stakes, highly emotional game just ended? Can we not give these guys 15 minutes to, yeah, to cool off? Not sure. that 15 minutes is an eternity, but seriously, like they were doing the three stars and the quotes about from Pete DeBoer already, already coming out. out. Yeah. Like it was it was like, come on. So I think that plays a role into it. He was heated. That's where that's where the coach that goes first is at a disadvantage because he's <laughs> got to do it immediately, uh, and then you know Bedner got to go second and then kind of just respond to it and talk about it. But I wonder, I personally, I wonder, I wonder what the Vegas players think about their coach immediately going to the media and and kind of whining like that. I wonder, I just, just a, a genuine curiosity. I don't have a conclusion to draw. Just a genuine curiosity of do the player, are the players kind of rolling their eyes like, come on? Or are they like, yeah, that guy's got our back? I would, I would be curious to know because it's been a little over the top from, from DeBoer. It's felt excessive from, yeah, well, calling Ryan Reeves the cleanest yeah, enforcer in the last 13 years. Like, that statement, but. I'd be willing to bet he didn't feel that way when he was coaching the Sharks, but now all of a sudden he's got to go to bat for his guy in a stupid manner. Um, but I, I do think leadership-wise, it's it's interesting that he immediately gets he immediately gets into the presser and it's wine, 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 wine. Yeah, and it's and it's the players. You saw Mark Stone do it after Game One, just winding it up about Ryan Graves. 
you know, and the Avs just haven't done that. Now, maybe the roles reverse when the Avs lose a close game in the series and the Avs and the Avs are pissed and they're first up in the media docket because they're in Vegas. The road team always goes first. So maybe, maybe that will happen. We haven't seen the Avs lose yet this yeah, postseason, have so we haven't lost a postseason. You know, we haven't, yet, we, haven't so like, we haven't been there yet, you know. <laughs> they haven't um, lost in eleven straight games now, is it? Going back to the regular season. Uh yeah, it's something like that. So I don't know. I just I thought it was I thought they were interesting comments, and I thought that it was I thought that the totally opposite tact being taken was an interesting contrast. I don't know if it's particularly meaningful. Just as a as an as an observer trying to like see through the lines here, I found it interesting that that Bednar was like, "Look, I'm not worried about any of this. I don't care. It is what it is." And Pete DeBoer is like, "Um." You can't blame the refs. Their players are the ones to blame. They're embellishing everything and grabbing their faces and their, you know, whatever, all, all the shit that he said. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I, when it happened to, I even said, you know, it seemed like Miko dropped that stick a little bit easy, easily in overtime, but yeah. <laughs> the rules are still the rules for one and two if you start complaining about every call, it's hard to dig through the noise, right? Because yeah, especially when you're making vague claims that a team is, uh, they're, they're embellishing and they're holding their faces and all that. And then you see Landy get checked in the face and not get calls. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it makes, it's certainly interesting. Cause like that's, that's the one thing that you can look at in when in the refereeing discussion and be like, with six minutes to go, you got away with a double minor yep. right in front of the official. Yep. And so. then you got and then you had a power play with 321 left in the third period. You had a power play. And they couldn't finish. How are you bitching about officiating? Are you crazy? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just thought it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a great hockey game. <laughs> it was a great hockey game. Uh, I don't. I. I wonder what it would. How. How much would you have to bribe Bednar to get him to call DeBoer a clown? I called him a clown last night. Yeah, you did, but Bednar, I don't think would do that. I don't think you would either. Look, Jared Jared Bednar is the I don't think about you at all type. Definitely. That is Bedsy's style. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, oh, well, we gotta figure out, we gotta go to the tape, we gotta figure out how to get better, and we gotta we gotta figure out how they picked us apart and make it better and blah 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 moving forward, and then you know. The other side is like they're embellishing calls. <laughs> this is gonna super curious what happens when Vegas wins a game in this series. Uh how those pressers go. If it's totally reversed or if it's just on to the next one from the end. I well have we have we ever seen Bedner 
go Maybe. after the officials. Like there have been calls where he's like, look, for me, this is what I disagree yeah. with. And I liked the point that he made about uh I I like the I liked the point that Bednar made last night about the overtime call. He didn't have to do it. Yep. He didn't have to slash a stick out of his hands. Whether or not it's a soft call, you put yourself in the position for them to make that call. I, so yeah. I don't know. I thought that was an interesting I yeah, but, but no. yeah RK, RK's point. Uh Kale McCarr going through the middle of the ice, uh right on the right at the start of a power play and getting and getting held and getting his whole body turned. And they were like, We're not calling that because we're not giving you a two-minute five on three. We are not about to do that. <laughs> and you're just like, All right, so there are no rules now when you're already on the PK? Like, yeah, like I said, everybody everybody has a scoreboard of calls that they think get missed throughout a game. Uh, and it's one of those things that drives me crazy about playoff series. Because everybody everybody goes to the sides. They're, they're like, they, they pair off to the side that they started on. And that's where they end up. And they're, they're done a disservice by the other side. And then... The series is over and everybody hates each other a little bit less as time goes on. And, you know. Yep. Uh, do NHL maybe. coaches ever get fined for criticizing officials? Uh, the NHL yeah. holds the rights to do so. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. You'll uh, there's you can see ways around it, right? Like DeBoer focuses on, on the abs embellishing and and complaining about it that way instead of complaining directly about the officials. But yeah. Um, well, and Bednar always phrases any criticism of the, of the officials. He's like, "Here's my viewpoint of it." Yeah, I think I think this is why I don't like the call, or this is why I do like the call, or you know, whatever. And it's it doesn't come across as criticism; it comes across as just like an analysis, kind of. Yeah. I disagree with their interpretation, and so you can kind of work your criticisms of the officiating into a. You can't find me for an opinion. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> guess you can work it there. Uh, we do need to take our second period break here as we are brought to all of y'all by Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee. They've been with us forever, and uh, frankly, you all got to step it up a little bit, all right? These are one of our longest partners, and they really haven't getting that much love from y'all lately. You're getting get 25% off your first purchase with code DNVR25 from StravaCraftCoffee.com. So go over there. And use the code, get yourself some CBD coffee. Helps with migraines, helps with other aches and pains like joint pain, IBS, all sorts of stuff. And show one of our longest time partners some love. You can also sign up for their subscription service, which gets you 20% off every single purchase for the rest of your life, basically. So, look, you're getting good deals. Go use them out there. Please support our partners. We love the people over at Strava. You can also try it cold brew down at the DNVR bar if you have not tried it yet and you will want to. 
Also got Chevalier Mortgage. Both Mike and Virginia have been local doing this for a long time. Rates are ridiculously good right now. And Mike will get you a great deal because he's a certified financial planner. So he looks at more than just the rate like a standard place does. He will take your entire financial picture and get you exactly what you need. You can head on over to dnvrmortgage.com. Sign up for a free consultation and a chance to win yourself some free DNVR merch. So jump on it. Get your picture today for completely free call virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or visit dnvrmortgage.com michael chevalier nmls 1931006 virginia chevalier nmls 1910631 and green mountain dental group the best family dentist in the Denver metro area, just 15 minutes from downtown over in Lakewood. We've had tons of people switch to them as well. They've all said it's one of the better dental experiences they've ever had. So head over there, sign up for a cleaning x-ray and exam. Get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. They're awesome people. They'll take care of you. They'll take care of your teeth as well. And they'll give you free stuff just for hooking it up. So yeah, come on in. Uh, I Something's happening in chat. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations on getting your daughter home. Also, shout out, I don't remember their name, but to the Reddit user who was awaiting uh, cancer test results yesterday. Yep. Shout out to all the all the good people. Hopefully good vibes everywhere with all of that stuff. Definitely. Um, we do we want the best. Yeah, for sure. Off the ice, good vibes to everyone, no matter what. Um Super chat here from John. Very generous. $20. Thank you so much. I have a sense that Avalanche players have a strong affection for Nazem Kadri and his return will fire the team up even more. Do you agree? Yep. Right now, his return would be, I think, game seven. Uh, yes. And if we get to that point, um, just and my personal belief, I think you're going to see. It, no, it'd be game six, right? Or would game six be the last one? Maybe. I don't know. Well, he's got four more, so three, four, five, six. Yeah, so six would be the last one. Okay. So it's my opinion that Kadri is going to come back because uh, he's now guaranteed to come back this season. Yep. Um, it is of my opinion that he will come back super fired up and in a non-dangerous way. I hope. And I think <laughs> I think I think you're gonna get the I think the abs are gonna get the best out of Nazem Kadri when he comes back. Genuinely, I think that he is gonna be because you think about the other his two Toronto suspensions, they lost in the first round and he was just done. Yeah, you, this suspension they will look. They will either be in Game Seven against Vegas or they will be into the next round, into Round Three. Naz is going to have every opportunity to redeem himself this year and to make a to make a significant mark on on their Stanley Cup run and that's i mean would it not be the 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 ultimate redemption story for him he gets suspended people are talking about leaving him unprotect unprotected Tyson Jost like low key stealing his job right in front of him here as he as he gets Wally pipped a little bit here and then he comes back, and it's just like he's going to have the ultimate fire lit under his ass. And then, as long as he as long as he channels it in a positive way, you have to leave open the fact that he won't because his history is what it is. But I I think he has every good reason for him to come out and be 
the absolute monster that he can be. Yeah. As far as the 2C is concerned. Um, look, I I don't know what version of Kadri we get. I, I tend to lean towards what AJ says, but certainly what we've seen out of the Donskoy Burakovsky comfort line immediately gets better if you put Kadri on it. So I don't think it's a complicated procedure when he comes back. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people in chat talking about this. Um, they, ranging from Logan O'Connor to Eric Johnson, but LOC, I'm, you can't help but lament how a Matt Calvert, Pierre Edward Belmar, Logan O'Connor fourth line would be a perfect antidote for Vegas. Yep. And right now they've got Alex Newhook and like trying to kind of find himself. Yep. Sample Sample Ranta doesn't even know where he is. He gets on the ice and he's just totally lost. Yep. Uh, and Belmar, to be honest, has just played like shit in this series. He was great against St. Louis. He's been shitty in this well, series. I mean, I think you saw last night, especially with Kadri out, the Avs need dudes that can win faceoffs. And they got smoked yeah. in the yeah, faceoff circle last night. I mean, it was ugly. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you can't put new hook at second at two C or whatever. You can't pr- you cannot promote him after the way he played last night. You can't look at the way that he played last night and go give me more of that. You just can't. That's yeah. You just you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Love for, new hook, but for, a, for a lineup in like an organization that has that has stressed certain levels of accountability all year. You can't, can't YOLO that in game no. three of round two. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Nope. Mm-hmm. So there's that side of it. Um, the EJ side of it, that dude's not particularly close to coming back, but no. he is skating again. So I, is there, do you put any stock into that with EJ being around the team for practices again? I mean, it's great for him, great for the team. I. That's about that. <laughs> yep. I. I don't think he's particularly close to returning. That he has an upper body injury means that he can skate pretty freely and do his thing. Yeah. But. You know. Yeah. They can absolutely put a new. They can absolutely put a rookie into their lineup and get their first goal. His name's freaking Bowen Pyram. <laughs> Will they? I kind you know, of it's, it's funny. Like Connor Timmons was one of the one of the only Abs players last night to break even on Corsi. Abs D that was actually a solid, <laughs> sheltered, sure, but solid. it was it was nine minutes of really high event. It was like yeah. thirteen to twelve or something, but he he at least broke even. And I like I thought Nemeth was good last night. I thought Graves and Gerard were awful. Agreed. And they, boy, when they go bad, it. So yeah, here's the thing: when when Graves and Gerard are struggling, particularly to move pucks effectively, this is where 
even playing someone like Patrick Nemeth becomes a struggle. Because don't don't read me wrong, Patrick Nemeth played solid. He did the things you expect Patrick Nemeth to do effectively in the game last night. But because no one else was moving pucks well, it puts a microscope on Nemeth struggling to move the puck too. And all of a sudden, your entire defensive unit is not moving the puck very well. That's how you end up with the second and third period of the Vegas just dominating zone possession time. Yeah. So. No, I'm not. I'm not unleashing Jacob McDonald upon the world. <laughs> Look, that's a Montreal or Winnipeg thing, because then you live with whatever happens. But I'm not letting Vegas eat that guy up. <laughs> Uh, is there any he chance? would get one shift into that game, and he would he would make some inexplicable pinch that Vegas gets a three and on one off over exactly. something. Yeah. It turns into a four on two going the other way with Nathan McKinnis getting backwards trying to play defense, and they give up a goal, and it would be like this Jacob McDonald thing was a bad idea. <laughs> is there any chance Bednar goes back to Taze G and Makar Graves to boost their pairings overall? I don't think so. Taves and yeah. Makar have just been too good. They've been vibing for sure, yeah. Yeah, they've just been too good. Make it work. Um, Vegas Vegas coming for it all. They came for it all last night. Yeah, for real. What, what more can they give? They had 41 shots in the game last night? Yeah. They came. They came as hard as they can last night. Phrasing. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> that was it. Like that was that was that was Vegas's best shot. You know, with with a better finishing and all that, it could have looked different. They hit a bunch of posts, but that's also that's also failed execution on their part. Yeah. Right. Riley Smith missing a. A mostly empty net. Yeah, just shanking it left on a on a uh, on that shorthanded opportunity. I was yeah. like, I looked at Michaela and was like, that had to have gone in, right? And then we watched the replay. I was like, no, he just boofed it. I, on my live stream, I was like already acting like the puck was in the net, and I was like, yep, yep, all right. And then yeah. nope. Landy Landy missing an empty net was because of good defense by Petrangelo, though, not because he just shanked it. Yeah. Like, Petrangelo got a stick on that. That's why that puck went straight up in the air. One of those pucks hit something on the way in. One of them just missed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's really the, the, truly the biggest save of the game was by Flurry when it was still two to one. And it was like three minutes into the second period and Vegas had just had a dominant shift and they rolled down on the other end. And I think it was on Burakovsky, a little, a little cute little passing play that they had. I think it was on Burakovsky, and he made a big left pad save, and that was say that was a save of the game because if that gets to three one, right after Vegas had just put in their best shift yeah. of the series, big deflate right yeah, there. You yeah, you hear the the balloon, which is going, <laughs> and instead he makes that save, and it just feeds the beast, and Vegas took off from there. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm. <sighs> Gosh. It was a fun game last night. I knew we were in for a good one. Yeah, you, you could just feel it. Two good teams. You can't get you can't go seven one every night. Um told you Zach Whitecall was good. <laughs> I told you. He's so good. He's so underrated. I'm not gonna bring you a lot of offense. And they're really That's kind of what they need. <laughs> well, and like 
Alec Martinez is like their trigger man on the plane. Yeah, it's, it's so weird to weird me. Choice is being made there for sure. That that cross ice pass last night from Patrick was so good. It was sexy. Like he had to get it. He had to put the heat on it too. Otherwise, Grubauer was going to get over. Yep. Uh, I thought the three-headed monster was okay last night. They had their moments. There were ups and downs. They could have scored three goals. They could have given up three goals. Yep. They yeah. were just they were they were all over the place last night. Little bit of everything from them. I agree. It's it's so obviously the second line the the Burakovsky line was the glaring issue on the night. So I Burakovsky was the only one that he looked was like he, he was okay. He was okay. Don Skoy and Confer were, were ghosts. Yeah. There were at least pros and cons to Burakovsky's games. Yeah. Confer and, and Don Skoy. I thought Don Skoy was really bad. He, I, just, I, I thought, thought he was so awful. And he he was okay in the first, I thought, but it was like he was trying things and then it was very apparent that he didn't have it tonight and then it just fell apart. But and this is the problem with Donskoy is that when he's not going, he's so streaky that when he's not going, he really struggles to make an impact on games. Yep. His best contribution of the night was existing for Nick Watt to cross check in the back <laughs> on the overtime winner. <laughs> yep. It's true. That was it. Also, this has not been a good series for Nick Waugh so far. No. That dude keeps no. being on the wrong. He he lost Landeskog on the second goal in game one. And then both power play goals He's last night. Just nowhere, yeah. Like, Jost makes a nice play on that power play goal. He makes a nice play to find the soft spot. Nick Waugh didn't even adjust. Like, Jost, 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 like, he's, he's in front of the yeah. net. He sees slides the open ice, back, yeah. slides back into it, and Nick Waugh's just like, girl, bye. Guess you're and open then, air now. <laughs> yeah, and then, the, and then the puck goes in, and Nick Waugh's like, maybe that wasn't the right approach. <laughs> and then randomly like, oh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go out of my way to cross-check Donskoy while they're moving the puck. And it just, it just opens it up, and it's like, um... Okay. Yeah, it's like, all right, well, uh, that was that was weird. Can you break up Saad Nuke and Joe's to help even out the middle six? Hell no. That's just your second oh, line now. No, fuck that. Yeah, that line is is vibing. Straight up, bad idea. You need lines that are working. I'm all not right. touching that line until they actually have a bad game. And yeah. like, I understand, like they got they got eaten up at even strength, uh, but they scored two goals, and they were the only line that looked like they had any jump for a lot of the game. I look, I don't think it's any surprise that Newhook and Ranta are struggling in this series. Ranta especially because they just dropped yeah. them into the deep end, but Newhook more so because this is Vegas. And look at the way Vegas played in game two, right? Newhook has never had to play against an NHL team that is on top of you, demanding the puck from you constantly. Yeah. And like Newhook is also adjusting. This is a guy that is accustomed to 18 minutes a night. He gets constant. He gets a ton of shifts. He under, he has to work his way into games. He's he doesn't, you don't get the luxury to work your way into a game. as a fourth liner. You yep. have to go out and you have to go 150% on every single shift and make them count. He's yep. still learning that. He's figuring it out. 
So I understand when people are like, oh, you promote him to 2C and you put him in a more familiar role. This is in the AHL. All right. You're in the you're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is not the time to dick around like that. That new looks in the lineup at all is probably more injury than anything else. But yep. I'm and I'm fine with keeping him there, but you gotta take Ranta out. Even if it's Sherwood. You just there hasn't been any upside with Sampo Ranta yet. Through two games, it's just been so bad. Yeah. I so they've gotta do they've gotta do something there. If LOC is healthy, oh, it's a huge boon. Helps the PK, gives them a physical dude that's gonna be really, really annoying. He's gonna flash those teeth right in somebody's face. You know, it's gonna be all blinded by the glare and shit. <laughs> and he's gonna hit people and he's gonna chirp and he's gonna do what he did in the Dallas series where he fit in perfectly last year. Yeah, he's he's tailor made for the series. If they get LOC back, that would be great. So if they don't, then that sucks. It's, they should seriously play key for sure with over Ranta, though. This is just the Ranta thing just hasn't, and the fourth line is just getting eaten up. If it if it wasn't mattering and they were going net zero every game, you could continue on and be like, oh, maybe one of these games there's gonna be an opportunity where he gets to flash the puck skill or whatever. It hadn't happened, hadn't even come close to happening. I mean they're getting eaten up. Look, the reality is there's no one driving that line right now because Belmar clearly hasn't shown the capability to do it and asking Newhooker Ranta to do it is just a mistake. Um and asking so you if you assume that there's no engine to that line really offensively you can't actively put Sampo Ranta into a position where you're ask, asking him to play without the puck defensively you're you're asking for trouble if you yeah. do that mm-hmm. so give it to someone like Sherwood who may at least be functional in that role yeah and he's got a very like aggressive just shoot first mentality where you're just like okay well I'll take a puck on net. That's not something the fourth line did once last night. Yep. You know, you get a puck on net, they swallow it. I mean, get a face, face off, off in the ozone, yep. get a fresh set of bodies out there, get a, get one of the actual good lines to go out there. It's a victory for your fourth line. But they've yeah, got to do something, man. They just can't 25 just, shots total. Just can't continue to hemorrhage opportunities. With your fourth line out there, your fourth line needs to at least be a neutral factor for you. It can't continue to bleed. Yep. It just can't. That's how you end up with second and third periods is when they get dumpstered for a shift. And then yeah. you end up with more zone time after that. So we weren't going to talk too much about last night's game. We spent the last half hour on it. Well, that's the way it goes. Yeah. We were going to talk about the uh, draft lotto results and... We haven't done that yet. Yeah, we can do that a little bit. I won't spend too much time on it, but it, all Seattle dang near went chalk. Yeah, just Seattle moving up one spot was the only only thing that changed. It was boring. Um, but Buffalo gets one. Seattle gets two. Uh, neat. My my only theory with it is that Seattle should just trade down. This draft year is too crazy. Nobody knows what anything's going to be, and it's considered a weak draft class anyway. Just build assets. It's another way they can build assets by giving up that second overall pick. 
the hard part there is that you have to find somebody that wants to come up and draft someone. Yep. It so, is. I didn't say it'd be easy, but like, um, I will be curious to see what their draft hall looks like after expansion decisions get made. Yeah, once uh, we know that happen for sure. Vegas had three first rounders their first year. Yeah. Um, and it's it's funny because everybody, uh, everybody, a common thought has been, oh, GMs will have learned from Vegas not to do stupid things. <laughs> Let's be real. Never trust a GM to learn. Some of these GMs are bad at their jobs. <laughs> Somebody's going to do something stupid. Question for you, though. Sure. Okay. What about Seattle giving Buffalo second overall for Jack Eichel? Well, they there's got to be more to that than than just. The I second, mean, but... they don't have any other assets at the time at the moment, so <laughs> yeah. I can't build it beyond. There. Sure, I understand. But let's say let's say that they get some intriguing pieces from the expansion process. Yep. A decent young forward, a decent young defenseman. But throw in another first there or something. Yeah. And then second overall. And that way Buffalo can pick one and two. They could take Owen Power and Matty Veneers. If it was any other draft year, I think it'd be a lot more enticing. <laughs> but <laughs> and and then it's Buffalo, so they can both pull Lindros, both one and two together. And agree <laughs> not to play for Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're both like, look, we already did our freshman year at Michigan. We only have three more of these years to go. It's fine. <laughs> Can Seattle straight up trade someone the right to make a selection in the expansion draft? Uh, not I don't know what that means. So he means like it, it would be like NBA style where Seattle makes the selection for them and then trades the guy to them. Um, but no, they can't just be like, you, you now get to pick from Columbus because you traded us a first round pick or something. <laughs> it, they, they could do that behind the scenes, but publicly, no, you can't just be like, all right. So yeah, has traded us a first round pick for the right to select from Columbus in the expansion draft. <laughs> That'd be wild. It'd be super cool, but yeah. I mean, that would be, um brain-breaking possibilities here. It would take a straightforward expansion process and just and make it not snap it in half and be like, teams are just going to go ham. Just kind of like the NBA draft where teams do stupid yeah, shit every exactly. night. exactly. The pick and trades that they do. Yeah. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite was the Vince Carter Antoine Jameson picks because they were picked back-to-back and then just traded for each other. Yeah. And it was like you could have just traded the picks or just picked your guy. Why did you just pick your dude? Yeah. Like, what, what the hell? The <laughs> uh, NBA. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Matt Coronado, if he got to Colorado, that would be a coup. Very good. Yeah, that would be a coup. Uh, Coronado, Chicago Steel teammate, uh, Mackie, God, I don't even know how to say his last name. Yeah, yeah, uh, I stumble over it every time. I have to actually read it. Uh, so Chris Peters, formerly of ESPN, 
released his uh, list. Yeah, released his first round mock draft today, and he had Colorado taking. Uh yeah, uh, Mackie Samuskevich. There it is. Who was a uh, tiny Chicago Steel uh, left wing this year? Yep. Boy, yeah. They, the lists are just so weird this year. I there's whose whose list was it that was released the other day that still had Ratty at three? Like, uh, don't ignore that list. No, no, those are my favorite lists. No, 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 They're nonsense. That was, that was not a serious list. Exactly. That was a compiled at random list. <laughs> Which is why, which is why the guy who was in the thirty or thirty first spot was some like random goaltender. Yeah, it was like it was some like Latvian like Division two goaltender with a sub nine hundred save percentage, and it was like, let this go. <laughs> Should be interesting though. Um, AJ, who who you think goes first overall? You still think Luke Hughes? Uh, or rather, Matty Beneers. I think I think there's a better chance that Buffalo takes Beneers than Power for right now. For now, you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess if they're trading Eichel, they're gonna need yeah. Because I think they're looking at a post Eichel for uh, yeah. There, if they think Matty Beneers is gonna replace Jack Eichel, they're gonna really be disappointed. Um, <laughs> yes, obviously, but Matty, they well, Matty, Matty Beneers does not have that kind of offensive upside, in my opinion. And I love his game, but he is a lot more of like a Patrice Bergeron. Really hard nosed, high end, high yeah. hockey sense, high end two way guy. Then he is going to be a dominant offensive player. You're not tempted to run the double first overall defensive pairing, though. I, I mean, that's what I would do. Okay, but I think that they will have different priorities because if you take Matty Beniers and you move into the Eichel trade market, they don't necessarily need to target a franchise center right away, right? Sure. Because they've already got veneers. You'll have center depth so at the very least. That will that will at least in theory give them the opportunity to compile just the best offer possible. True. Take whatever people are willing to give them. Yeah. Um we'll see. Oh, I think I think Buffalo trading him to Minnesota is my number one fear of the offseason. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm afraid of. Many need centers. Well, they've got good prospect depth. They've got some. They've got some guys that they can move to make it work. A show for the off season, no doubt. Definitely. Um. All right. Which Any, we may not be for a while. Yeah, it could be another month or two before before we get to that. We're hoping. <laughs> this has just been so fun so far. Yeah, dude. This playoffs has been a blast. Honestly, yeah, with the bar and everything, it's just been so. I'm. I'm more excited for Friday night than I was last night. Although part of my apprehension last night was being in a lot of crowded people uh, when I still don't feel very well. I just don't want to get hit by anybody. And then, so I got there super early and went up before anybody was allowed in. Someone's going to smack you right in the ribs. Well, you know how it is when you're in crowd. Like sometimes yeah, somebody you get bumped. Bump I get you. you and I get it you. sucks, dude. Because. Right now, just any kind of contact, even if I just go like this, it hurts. Yeah. Well, that's the playoffs for you. You got to play hurt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I'm super excited for the Bar Friday. It's going to be... Yeah, the Bar Friday is going to be nuts. It's going to be packed. <laughs> I've already... I've had two people tell me that they are planning to get there more than two hours early. 
It just keeps getting earlier. <laughs> like we were telling people, hey, get there an hour, hour and a half early, and then two hours before. I'm sticking with two hours, but yeah. anyway, looking forward to it. Should be yeah, it's gonna be, gonna be a great time. Make sure that you guys holler at us to come and uh, yeah, always say yeah. hi if you see yeah. us. Had a had a handful of people talk to me the other night. That was fun. Um, yeah, I'm the sh- I'm the shy one. I hide. He's a hider. I'll Although I will be, I will be drinking this weekend, especially Uh-oh. on, Uh-oh. especially on Sunday to celebrate somebody's birthday. <laughs> All right. On that note, I think it's time to wrap up the show here. So. Thank you, everyone, watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. We appreciate all of y'all very much. Be sure to hit that like button. I see y'all slacking. I see y'all slacking. Uh, in any case, we will be back tomorrow for a post-game show live from the bar. We'll see. I might do another watch-along. I don't know if we'll do one for Game 3, but certainly in the future, we have more of those coming for those who liked it. Um, until next time, we will talk to y'all later.